okay we're recording yeah when you're ready hello everyone and welcome to the weekly freestyle season five episode seven with myself tom d my co-host alex sutton uh we're actually together today in uh maidenhead so um our hometown uh not in the hq actually in my own family home in the study because we've got a very special guest joining us for an episode that a lot of you've been asking for for a long while which is all about age group swimming and the progression from being uh, a young swimmer starting out all the way up to being a senior athlete and what that takes and what it means we've got someone who has uh, a lot of experience uh, in that world um, from both sides of it as an athlete and as a coach himself so we're going to jump into that we've got a little bit of catching up to do first Alex you were at the Ashes yesterday yeah, I was at the cricket on, we are recording this on Sunday. So yeah, I was there at Lord's on the Saturday. Yeah, great, great day's play. People might not know too much about cricket, but yeah, it was good fun. But it got me thinking, obviously England-Australia is a big rivalry in cricket. Mm. But if we were going to do a swimming version of the Ashes, do you think Australia would be a big enough rival for us or would maybe be with someone like the States, do you think? So they used to do something called the jewel in the pool, which was Europe v America. Purpose. Oh, okay. A bit like a Ryder Cup. Very much like a Ryder Cup, mate. And I, it was actually the first swimming competition I went to watch. I went along with a guy I used to swim with called Connor Campbell mm. at Maidenhead Marlins when I was nine, 10 years old. So 2009, 2010. Yeah. And it was the last ever swimming competition where the super suits were allowed. Wow, really? Which was quite cool. So we watched like, I watched like the 200 back world record go, um, short cool. course. Mm-hmm. Up in Manchester. Okay. Uh, cool. And I remember we pulled up and we um, went into the arena and all the American guys came off the bus. Like, you know how footballers come off at the start and they're all like wearing the same team kit and stuff and they got all yeah. the cameras. And I like, Phelps stepped off and I was like, oh my God. Well, so this is man. Phelps was in Manny. Phelps was in Manny. Wow. How did they, who's running that event? I don't know. It doesn't really happen anymore. Well, it doesn't happen anymore. Was it a FINA event? I don't actually know. I don't know. I don't, or whether it's like an independent like, body. Yeah, like um, USA swimming backed by Ukraine. maybe Len, like the mm. European. Um, but it was really cool, really exciting. Um, yeah, I just remember going there when I was like nine or ten years old because um, my friend's dad had got tickets through work or something. Nice. Um, so yeah, they do something similar. I think we should bring it back though. Yeah, I think it could happen. Do you think it would be Europe against America again? Um, I think Australia have to play a part in it at this mm. point. But then you know, then you decide to look at it was basically an ISL, isn't it? Yeah, you know, which they tried to do, um, but I guess it would be just two teams rather than the full. Yeah, so maybe you do ten or whatever it is, or maybe you do three teams. Yeah, Europe, Australia, America. That could work. It'd be like a tri series. Yeah, something like that would be quite cool. And you do them, one in each. You know, one in Europe, one in the US, one in. Yeah, I think that the problem with these events is just fitting them in on the schedule. Though it's all oh, well yeah. and good, even with the Ashes that's going on this this year in the cricket. It's like five, six weeks, and it's just back to back. And but they've got to fit it in before, the, like the the Indian Premier League, which is where all the big money is at. Oh yeah, but it's it's mad how much money talks in the modern world because the, even though the Ashes has been around for decades, centuries, um, and the IPL is so new, but it's because where the IPL is all the money at and where the the popularity is, they're like, right now you need to fit this in so mm. the IPL can happen. Mate, I didn't realize how popular the IPL was. Yeah, it's massive over there. Like. The guy, um, looking at some of the top players, their their social media followings. There's one one guy, Coley. Yeah, I mean, he's got more followers. They're at the king. Yeah, he's got more more. He's got more followers than you. A few, maybe even a few more than the weekly freestyle. But we're going to contact because that's quite a difficult feat. 
the way we're headed. But um, he's got near on uh, near on a quarter of a billion followers, more than um, uh, LeBron James. Really, you got to look at it. You know, if you're a sports star over there, it's the biggest, most populous country in the world. I think they've overtaken China now, haven't they? Yeah. So it's mad if you're a star over there. Yeah, it's, I guess it is interesting because we would see ourselves as being able to have like a grasp of the global market, but there are people who are just big in India and we yeah. sort of don't really know who they the are. The thing is, if you're big in India, you're big on the world stage because yeah. of how big India is. Um, you know, I don't think people can quite realise, you know, we're 70 million over here in the UK, they're like 1.3 billion. It's I mean... Different ball game, that yeah, is. Yeah, slightly different. But no, good time though yesterday. Very good time. But yeah, we're still, we're still two followers away from the big one game. Mad, isn't it? So we've moved on. When, when we last time, what were we like nine eight five? When we last something like nine seventy or something? Yeah, we've trickled along. Mate, you know what? I'm going to check now because it might even be. Oh, have you just checked? Yeah, I checked quite recently. Are we still on the? We've been we've been a little bit quiet this week on the real nine front. nine eight um, nine. We had seventeen thousand accounts reached in the last month. Yeah, though. I've that's seen I've seen that rise towards thirty k sometimes. You know, that's mad. That is mad. Um, but yeah, we're we're still. We're still edging our way towards the big, the big one k, and then the giveaway. Yeah, yeah. As so we head towards the end of, uh, we've got yeah five, we've got two pretty big milestones coming up. Mm. Um, yeah, like you said, probably need to plan it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do, and obviously we've got we've got big news coming up as well. Big news to announce to everyone. So there's a lot happening. There's nice. a lot happening, guys, and and we'll keep you updated as soon as we can. Yeah, and one one big shout out. Um, shout out, shout out for Lottie Bell, who apparently is a big fan of the pod. Um, my dad mentioned to me that he was he was out on a on a works thing uh, and just got chatting about swimming, and the the freestyle got mentioned. Also, so, how can it not when we talk know. about the topic of swimming or sport or life generally? So, Lottie, the globe, thank you very <laughs> much for being a fan of the pod and for listening in and. Um, Nice for Chris to meet your dad. <laughs> I guess so. So uh, yeah, we obviously we we very much appreciate that. And finally, before we move on to the you know the main crust or filling of our episode, you're not far away from the world champs still. Oh mate, I'm not. You're not far away from tape breaking. <laughs> We've just seen our guest pull up in his kind of copper gold Honda Honda Civic, I think it was. <laughs> Lovely car. That's that's the car that took me up to Sheffield. Right. Did it have a spoiler on it? Did I see? I think it was new. <laughs> Um, so he's just rocked up in style as would, per. Would you say that this is one of the top coaches in the southeast? I, I would go as far as to say the United Kingdom. <laughs> I don't know, you know, Dave McNulty, look, you're great. Yeah, you've got, you know, 15 Olympic medals, but this boy knows exactly what he's talking about. For anyone who knows about age groupers, it's this man right here that's about to walk through the front door. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's your before your we tape on to that. I am well, almost on taper. Technically, I am on taper as of this morning. Right now. Because we always start three weeks before my first race. And three weeks today, I'll be racing a 4 by one three of the World Champs. Is that a heat? I'll be, uh, without revealing too much, uh, because we don't quite know the tactics just yet, um, I look, I'm, I'm being the final, I think. I'm not sure okay. whether I'll be swimming okay. heat. But that's the first event. That's the first with event. The, what is Withers doing? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you could just leave it with the nose sticking out, to be fair. Yeah, oh, the hell. Oh, yeah he should be all right oh. what can't that man do um but yeah three weeks out three weeks today will be the first event so taper now so it's just like the best bit of the month you love taper. and my life mate basically i just love tapering it's like you've more energy so much more free time you feel better in yourself training's easy 
so much more time for golf. I'm playing two rounds this week. Wow. How good is that? That's good. That's really good, actually. We're getting, we're getting a scramble with all the boys from Bath going. So we're doing two two four balls, so four pairs in total. The, the taper scramble. The taper scramble, some might say. We've ranked the top four golfers. Who, who's the So it goes four? Jimmy, then me, Jono, then Shred. Okay, nice. And then they have to pick, so Shred gets first pick. Ah, the okay, I like ball. that. This is fun. Work back up. I might start taper this week. Mate, you should come along to Bath because, um, yeah, we're getting a... We're getting a taper, a taper round in. He's repping. He's always repping the brand. No, mate, the house is this way, son. <laughs> Where's he off to? Right, I'd better go. I'd better go. Right, you go and grab him. Um, so we're now joined with the guest that we were describing in length about his parking outside my house. But uh, we've got Luke with us, along with us. Luke, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Um, so for people who don't know, because this is your second? No, no, no. Ball. This has got a hat-trick ball. Oh, that's my ball. Well, we'll get the shirts signed at the end of this <laughs> and get photos and stuff like that. But no, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So Luke Withers uh, is a coach at Maidenhead, the club that I grew up um, uh, swimming at for, for 10 years. And prior to that, a swimmer himself, um, Windsor first swimming club yeah yeah Windsor first swimming club Windsor and then over to Maidenhead and we trained together for three years maybe my last three years at Maidenhead yeah I think the last three times. Um, yeah so so kind of those really important years where it was like us two my sister Connie uh George Taplin um who we've obviously had on the pod um Joel Lang who's gone on to be a really successful triathlete uh you know it's a really great cohort of swimmers going head to head at that point so you know, the best person we could possibly get on to talk about um, kind of age group swimming and, and that progression into being a senior swimmer. So I think we've got a few questions, mate, and, and then we're just kind of kind of dive into it and um, talk about both our experiences because you can speak about both sides. I can speak about being an age group and a senior swimmer. I think we can get some pretty good, pretty good stuff. So Alex, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Luke, I guess what does age group swimming sort of mean to you and just the whole process? Because we speak about it a lot, but being in it day in, day out, what, what is age group swimming to you? Uh, age group swimming is a it's an opportunity to challenge yourself, really, because I find it it's about learning stuff for your life as well as for the sport. Because we've had swimmers before that have joined our program. We've seen other programs all the way from like, you know, six, seven years old. And the amount they've blossomed just as a human as well as an athlete can be huge and you can see it just change them as a person we've had it before like some really nervous and join us later teams and then suddenly they go on to be an adult but i i think with age group swimming the main things are it's about challenging yourself as i say it's about uh growing those relationships as well making those bonds i mean i talk about say like me and tom started as he said trained from uh say i think i was 15 no, mm -hmm. just yeah just about 15 so he's 14 yeah and 10 years later with still mates now that's a bond that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't yeah. through the sport and I think there's some of the really important things that can just come around let alone without talking about the performance aspect of uh, of training and age group swimming yeah I think also like for the way I found also you know still got a few friends from school and stuff like that but I'd say my closest pals are all of our group from Maidenhead and I think the reason why is because you're surrounded by like-minded people People are willing to put the work in. They know about the early mornings, know about the graph. Like, look at George Kaplan, for example. You know, he's one of our close pals as well, yeah. all three of us, because we have, like, the respect for what he's done and we know he's a good person. We know he's going to put the work in and stuff like that. And, you know, that's when you really get to know someone on a bit of a deeper level and you start to value them more. And, and they're the people that I always kind of got drawn towards who I want to hang out with, people who are willing to get up and get out of the house and do stuff and do sport and be active and stuff like that. So 
I think there's definitely value in that. But Luke, I think your first point was so, so important. Age group swimming teaches you stuff about life. You know, it teaches you uh, discipline. It teaches you like work ethic. Um, you know, if, if I've spoken to people and they say, if they're interviewing for a job and someone comes and says they're a swimmer to a high level, they'll know what that means and what that's taken. And they'll understand the, the time commitments um, that they will have put in from a young age. And it teaches you something that my mum's always said, you just get out what you put in. You know, there's no sport I think shows that more than the harder you work and the better your training is, the lower your time will be when you race. It's literally that black and white. And that's what's always drawn me to sport. But I also think that's something that it teaches young swimmers, um, which is, you know, that's not something you really get in school, I'd say, not to that kind of same extent. You know, we're asking young teenagers to commit their time, um, you know, their free time to really put in their body through the paces. And it's a, it's a tough sport. It's a brutal sport. But it teaches you stuff that you can carry on later in life. Yeah, and you mentioned it is tough. Um, and, and Luke, tapping into that, you probably know Tom and seen Tom a lot more than than anyone else, just from those early morning sessions. What was a thirteen year old Tom like at six a.m. <laughs> on a on a Tuesday morning? Just just to jump in there, I always remember you being a lot quieter before than after the yeah, session. Yeah, like, because you used to come to a few of the sessions. Yeah, I struggled to get any words out. I'm thinking like what 2017? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we used to go to a few. Oh, yeah. What, what's he like? Well, we used to make it was just at the back end of us, and we called it his slacker period, if I remember Ooh, correctly. Yeah. As Connie used to Outed on the pod. Connie, <laughs> Connie used to absolutely rinse you for that, if I remember. Yeah, that's justified. Because <laughs> we used to make the joke that, oh, it's the end of the set song. Come on, before you come. <laughs> Doing <laughs> max effort. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just go easy all seconds. Like, oh, oh, he goes, oh, I'm going to PV. We're like, oh, well done, mate. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, if you do that in bar, like, you get rinsed. Like, yeah. You get cues like Sammy Saving. Like you just get absolutely like if that's a yeah because that's the thing. Cause, running, I guess. Yeah, because um, there's a danger at these sessions around the track where it just ends up being a race for that last rep. Yeah, yeah. And like one of my old coaches, like if you he was basically go as hard as you can every rep, but if you just save yourself for that last rep, what's the point? And yeah. also you think you think you're the like you're the champ if you win the last yeah. rep, which is just just not true, yeah. is it? Like, yeah. And I was going back like towards your original point. To be fair. He was actually, he was always there. That was the thing that was always interesting. I mean, I was quite fortunate that I could do a lot of the training because of the way my education was when I was home educated, so it was much easier for me. But he, <laughs> going over to school in Marlowe as well, so the other side of Mainhead, he was always there. I mean, it was like, it was almost like an occasion, wait, Tom's not here? So that commitment was there from very early on. And apart from being a bit, yeah, a bit quiet at the beginning <laughs> compared to the end, yeah, no, he was, he was a proper trainer, actually. It's like what you said, same with us at the pod, you just keep turning up, don't you? Yeah, no, no, no matter what the context like, as long as you're there, it's fine. Exactly, just keep showing up and the results start to come. It's true though, isn't it? Especially like swimming, like you just need to put those hours in. Remember, it wasn't even a question of whether we were going to go to training or not. And I think that's something in my family. I feel like I've slipped a little bit with my youngest brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, you just keep showing up, don't you? just put those hours in and then... You know, you put together a day of training with two sessions in the morning and then after training, and that becomes a week uh, cycle. And then all of a sudden, you've ticked off another season and you're 14, 15, 16, you start putting years together. So, yeah, it's one of those sports you just need to put the hours in. Yeah. And I think we have a lot of listeners to the podcast who are in that age group category. So, maybe, I guess, secondary school, uh, maybe come into sick form. Um, what would you say, uh, Luke, maybe the key things are to being like a top age grouper? Um, but I also want to maybe spin this question as well, because you don't just have to be in the sport to win medals, do you? No. So in terms of that kind of thing, what, what are the keys? Um, 
I think saying what I was saying earlier about what you put in is what you get out. I think it's about being able to realise that and be honest with yourself about what you're doing and what it is you want from the sport. Because mm. what we, one of the coaches I work with is very good at saying this. He goes, what is your goals? What is your aspirations? What do you want to do? And it could be as simple as I want to get my first ever county time. It could be I want to be Olympic champion. It doesn't matter. It's about what do you want to do? And then we work backwards from there. If it is, I want to be the best answer you can ever hear is I want to be the best version of myself. If you can hear that from someone, that's brilliant. And you go, that's fantastic. Let's write down some goals of how we can help you achieve that. And as I say, it's always working backwards from that end goal. So I'm sure that's what you do. Like for you at mm. Tokyo, it would have been a case of, I need to go, if I want to win or medal or whatever, I need to go 144 low, yeah. work back. How am I going to do that? What do I need to pace that? What work do I need to do to be able to sustain that pace, mm. et cetera? So I, I would say it's, I, I just look for people that are willing to be honest with themselves and be honest with you and have complete trust in what you're doing. I think that's where you will get a, a lot more out of them and they'll have a lot more respect for you and they'll get a lot more from you as well interesting actually and, and speaking about like I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later but that kind of age group into senior athlete progression um the way the sport works here in the UK there are there are two maybe you know kind of three national centers you know those two national centers in the UK they've got maximum 16 spots each okay so it's 32 spots chuck a few in from sterling maybe 40 spots 45 spots okay to be in the centers for British swimming and obviously I know they're not the only ways to progress into the senior uh, scene because there's a few good university programs you get the old swimmer from Edinburgh, Birmingham, Loughborough and things like that but if you're not making those national centres there's really not a lot for you out there you know from that scene and it's a real brutal cutoff and we said we weren't going to mention him but I'm sure it'd be okay if we do talk about George Kaplan who's our ex-training partner and close friend of ours who got to a point where he he in his own head which you know I don't agree with fully and I, I, I think Luca um, back me up here you know said he in, in his own head he thought he wasn't going to make it to the top senior level he thought he wasn't going to be in the, the Loughborough performance squad so he thought what's the point in candidate yeah and it's tough because in America you get to that age and it's not a national center you can go and join the countless number of university programs which will provide you with a scholarship give you a good education and you then have a collegiate career which is so so exciting you do dual meet you represent the university. It's almost like an arena league. You know, it's it's super fun. It's super exciting. But unfortunately, the nature of the sport in the UK is you either go to national centre or you you quit. Yeah. Or you join a university squad and you know you might have Bucks once a year. And if you've ever been to Bucks, I'll tell you it is the one of the deadest competitions. <laughs> like it's good and everything like that. But compared to a collegiate dual meet, yeah. it doesn't even touch the side. Like it's not mm-hmm. even close. You're in Ponds Forge. You know, you're there for like a whole weekend. It's like hot. It's like long. It's the atmosphere is not quite the same. So, Luke, I was going to see if I can get your views on this. Do you think it's a good idea if you're at a level where you're, you might not make it into a centre, you could make it into a university um, programme? Do you think that's a good idea to start looking at going to the US? Because I know, so my older sister went to America and that allowed her to get a medicine degree for four years at one of the best universities in America, completely free. Now, we added it up. That's near on $300,000 worth of education over four years when you're adding food, board. And I went to Duke once, honestly. Lads, it's a private university, so it's all it's like 50 grand a year to attend, and they have people that contribute money. They get like a billion and a half a year to spend on their facilities. Like the money they're going through is like 10 times yeah. more than the highest in the UK. So the facilities, honest to God, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. It's incredible. So, if you're out there, 
represented her, um, her college, had a good time, got a free education. Do you think that's a good thing that, that a certain level of swimming start, is something, something you advocate for your swimmers? Definitely. I, I think it's pretty, it's, it's, it's interesting because there used to be, I know there was a lad that we had had trained near us before. He was, he actually got a qualifying time to go to the Rio Olympics, mm -hmm. but they didn't select him because he, well, the rumour is, I don't know if this was the case or not. This is what I heard through the grapevine was that he didn't get selected because he was training out in America at, um, where's, is it Orbanville, the uh, yeah. Brazilians were, yeah. So he was out there and they didn't select him. Now, that was a rumour that you could burn your bridges by going out to America, but I think that has now moved on. I think Connie's era was sort of that in between where it did start yeah, to yeah. change. Because I look at now someone like Anna Hopkin, who's one of the, it's probably the best example. And mm -hmm. um, is it Alicia Wilson as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who both left their club programs. I know Alicia was at Guildford, did really mm -hmm. well. And then when I'm going off to the States, free education, mm -hmm. with a scholarship, really high level education as well with that. Four yeah. years doing all these meets you're talking about. Yeah. She then comes back, does trials, qualifies for the Olympics. And it's like, where's she yeah, coming from? And it's a good mm -hmm. life out there. It's a, honestly, when I'm going out there, and it's so, the thing is, this is the mistake I think British swimming make. They're not advocating for the centres enough. They're not staying out there. When I was 17, my inbox was flooded with head coaches of swimming programmes from America saying, we'll fly you out to America. Know. Yeah, we'll fly you out to America. We'll put you up in a nice hotel. We'll pay for your food for the whole trip. And if you want to come here, we'll cover four years of university expenses, food, board, travel back to your family. We'll take you on swimming camps. You represent your uh, school at NC2As. Like, I was 17 years old and I was like I was into my swimming obviously but yeah. my main thing is I wanted to get a good degree and stuff like that and I think that's that's the point as well with the the American uni is like if you've got your head switched on you could get a like a world-class oh, degree absolutely I think it's a great route for some people I really do but it's 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 tough because it's a shame there's not that same thing here in the UK no I think it's always gonna be difficult with a country of our size compared yeah. to a country of their size but what I do like is we are seeing a few more swimmers make teams from university programs, as you said. Mm -hmm. I know Ollie Morgan, for instance, he's come from Birmingham University, yeah. and that's just huge. To someone to come from a university that's not even Edinburgh or yeah. mean, Manchester is another one that's yeah. had people on in the past. That's massive, and yeah. now that's opened a few eyes, and then people have gone, oh, actually, I can stay loyal to my uni mm -hmm. program, or I can stay at even a club program. It does yeah. happen sometimes. I mean, you made your first team while still training at Mainhead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, one Europeans while still training. Yeah. You know? so, no, it can be yeah. done. There's interesting. I was speaking to Kira Schlossen, who's a swimmer who used to swim at Bath. She now swims for Edinburgh, and she's studying uh, up there. And her younger sister, Leah, won European Juniors. Yeah. The European Juniors last year, okay? Which means if you win European Juniors, you've got a guaranteed place at centre. You're on a big name. You'll be on funding. You know, you, you're going to be going there. Um, like people have their eyes on you straight away. And I was saying to Kira, I was like, oh, is she going to join the centre? She's looking at Bath or Loughborough, maybe. And she said, um, uh, and I don't know, you know how valid this is and things like that. Or, you know, I know she's still making mind up. She says, no, she's not going to keep swimming. She's, she wants to study a medicine degree in the UK. And the universities that provide medicine degrees, they can't support her swimming. It's a bit like when I went to Imperial for my interview for engineering. I remember finishing my interview, I had to like, do this test in front of someone and speak about engineering stuff like that and they said oh, have you got any questions for us and i was like well i'm a swimmer one you know, thing mate I'm, like, <laughs> I'm a swimmer like i've won european genius at this point and i was like oh you know i'm, I'm kind of into my swimming and stuff i was wondering if i could how i'll be able to keep it going and, and balance it around my, my studies and stuff like that. and they said no no i don't know so you, mad if you come to imperial you're here to do engineering you know there's you're not here to that's that's almost that's criminal in a way so but if like if i've been like a lear schlossen been really set on my studies yeah. You know, because that whole family's bright as anything, 
And I'd say, well, I'm going to have to crack in the sport. Look at you now, you're not even made first year uni. Exactly. (laughs) Still never finished uni, so joke's on you, Imperium. (laughs) You'll be back. You'll be back. (laughs) Swimming what? But yeah, just one more thing with with the age group stuff, Luke. Um, I guess in terms of the sustainability element, is there something that you'd say, or key things you'd say that you shouldn't be doing? in terms of people either burning out or falling out of love with the sport. So in terms of saying, actually, we've seen this so many times, try and avoid doing this. Yeah, I, I, there's a few things. I think the main thing is you've got to be happy with what you're doing and you need to be honest about where the situation you're in. Because, I mean, there's the best programs in the world. It doesn't matter. You could have the best coach. In the world. I, mean, look at, I look at, say, with Tom, with Dave McNulty. Doesn't mean everyone's going to like Dave. Doesn't mean that program's going to suit everyone. If that, doesn't, if that isn't right for you, you need to go. And it's the same even down to a G level. You need to give it a go. You can't just go, I've had a bad session today. I've had enough. I'm going. You need to give it a chance. So you need to trust them. But if it's really not working, you need to be honest and make, make that move. And, just, and the youngsters need to talk to their parents. I was quite lucky, as we've said, like I left Windsor actually not for even program reasons to join Mainhead when I was just about 15. And I was like, this actually, this program suits me even more. So you, that can also be a case um, in terms of sustainability as well with the being happy, definitely. And as I say, be honest with what goals you want, be open and, and communicate with everyone. It's like that. I talk, they talk about this triangle of like trust, triangle of trust almost. You've got the swimmer who's at the top of the triangle. And then either side at the bottom ends, you've got the coach or coaches, depending on where you are. And you've got the parents. Yeah. The moment one end of that triangle drops out, mm it doesn't work so you need that triangle of trust otherwise it just it isn't sustainable yeah and it's interesting one thing i was going to ask you about is, are there certain swimmers that you coach with the mindset of okay i want to coach this swimmer through their teenage years to provide them with the physical and mental attributes to hand them over to a senior program and allow them to progress on to become the best senior athlete they can which is i'm, I'm convinced paul did for me and i'm very grateful that he did that for me because it would have been easy to go down a route that some other coaches and some other programs, especially programs nearby Mainhead that we know, make the swimmers the best possible age group swimmers they can to provide age group success, uh, to make it look like their programs doing extremely well, you know, winning nationals, winning all these uh, leagues and stuff like that. But they get to 18 and they're supposed to move on to a senior program. There's no room for improvement. Yeah. They're burnt out. They've done, they've maxed out their training. You know, they're doing maximal number of hours and the maximal number of strength conditioning there's no progression once you get to a national centre and they never make that move on. And we know that, you know, just from centres. I mean, look at us, the club in Maidenhead, compared to other clubs nearby and the, the athletes, we've moved on to senior level for a club our size. You know, are you always conscious of walking that line? Definitely. I think there's quite a few coaches that are trying to get almost the 1% yeah. out of 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And I actually had this conversation with Paul the other day, just sort of about something as simple as, using bungee cords and parachutes mm. and stuff like that. And I said how in our program, we were training, we didn't use any of that. Mm. I mean, we used one bungee cord and then it broke, actually, <laughs> which probably said a lot about it. Yeah. Not probably a bit about me, actually. But, <laughs> but it, what's the point of doing that stuff apart from maybe like a little bit just to in, engage the score? Because that's yeah. what's... You need the engagement to keep yeah. them on that, keep them on that train, keep them that straight and narrow. But I'm always personally conscious of going, how can I set them up to be... At the best point of view, where I'm going to either pass them on to Paul into the performance set mm. in the club, or then if I'm then coaching them with Paul, which I do as well, how can we get them to a position where they're 18, 19, whatever it is, whatever year they decide to move on to a senior program, 
where they're ready to go there and hit the ground running. Mm. Because like if you if you're ready when you go there and there's still room to improve, you're going to be the person that thrives. If you've, as you say, maxed out your talent levels and mm. a 14, 15, 16 year old, you'll hit that plateau so hard when you turn 18 or 19. Yeah. And within a year, as you, you've seen at the performance center yeah. many, many times, we've seen as even with people as we know, you just you lose love for the sport. You go, yeah. I'm used to improving all the time, and you just you fall out of love with it. Yeah. So it's about trying to keep people engaged and keep them in the sport and pass them in the best possible position, yeah. ready to make that next step. Yeah, you've got a tough job. And I gave it to a talk to age group coaches two weeks ago for British Swimming, and I said, you guys have such a tough job because you need to prep them physically to hand them over to a senior programme. But on top of that, this these are the most important developmental years for these young um, young people, young girls and boys, you know, because these are their... Like, I remember I'd spend more time at pool in a day than I would with my parents. You know, yeah, spent four same, hours a day at pool. So, you know, you, you spend more time with your club coaches. They have such a massive influence on you as a teenager. I don't think some coaches quite realise how influential they are on you, on instilling certain ethics in you, on making you into the young man that you or young woman that you go on to become. You know, I, I almost wouldn't want to become a swim coach because of how important your job is and how much, you know, weight you carry um, for these young people. But if you have a negative effect, you can have a really negative effect. We look at like, you know, I'm sure George wouldn't mind me saying, you know, his young, um, his coach when he was a young swimmer at Hillingdon probably really hampered him down the line. Um, because they worked him way too hard and he wasn't able to replicate that kind of level of work when he came to, to Maidenhead. But if you have a positive effect, like Paul had on me, and I was really fortunate that I worked with a coach that I worked so well with, and, you know, I'm so grateful that he gave me the skills and the attributes so I could go on to a senior programme and, and make that movement while still enjoying the sport, you know, and it's rare that you get a coach that strikes that balance so, so well. Um, but if you do it well, you can, you know, set a, a kid up to... Be successful in adult life, not just in swimming, but you know, more importantly, outside of the pool. I think. Um, so, shout out pool. Yeah, and <laughs> while we're on that topic, Maidenhead Marlin seems to be going from strength to strength. You guys, I guess, when yeah, it, it seems to be strong right now. It's brilliant. I mean, I'm, it's really nice for me because I've been I started volunteering actually when I joined the club at fourteen, fifteen, and then I became a a paid member of the coaching team when I was just yeah seventeen. And now I'm 24. So I've been there this whole time on this journey. And this year we're in the junior arena league. And after the second round, we're actually the top club in the country. In that. We're ahead of, ahead of like some of the bigger <laughs> clubs like even in the, low, in the region, like yeah. say Gilpins and Wickham's. And they're doing a fantastic job as well. But we're number one. I mean, yeah. that, and that's, that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. That's something we've just never experienced. I mean, you remember, <laughs> remember we got promoted to the Premier Division yeah. Senior League. It was like, oh my God. Then we got relegated yeah, straight away. Very swiftly. White yeah. hard as well. Yeah, I mean, like Derby County sort of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> tough season for them. It was a bit tough. Robbie Savage wasn't swimming for you. <laughs> it's good though. It's good to see Maine there. And every time I see Paul, he's saying, you know, our numbers are up you can now you've got Eaton pull back you start using yeah you've got num enough numbers yeah um and it's great to see there's a spike after major competitions like Commonwealth Games and stuff like that you know and and that's not I'm not saying you know because I have anything to do with Maidenhead but that's really it's just the whole nation gets behind the sport and they see something on tv and when you have those eyes on the sport it's it's brilliant to see so I love seeing the fact that Maidenhead's doing so well it just makes my makes my yeah my year does it bring a tear to your eye? I remember when we started, you know, I used to be coached by a coach called Jim Cannon when I first started, and it was like me and Connie 
would turn up to morning training and then just be like no one else most of the time yeah you get your own lane wouldn't you oh literally. that's decent though it was it was yeah. nuts yeah it was crazy and it's just just grown so much hasn't it it's amazing so i mean we've literally the time i've been at the club we've increased our membership by between 75 and 100 percent so good <laughs> it's incredible it's incredible yeah. that's huge and uh luke you touched on you wanting your your athletes to be the best version of themselves and having goals what about you? What do you want from this sport? Because we we think you're one of the top coaches in the southeast, if <laughs> not the UK. As we introduced you, <laughs> thanks, boys. I mean, for me, I, I I look at it from again. I want to be the best version of myself. That's how I set that expectation. Coach said that to me when I was in that early stage. Talking about when you're so you take so much of a sponge for mm. information and and for anything else that you would do in the pool or around the pool. And I, I go, what can I do? What do I want to do? I need to set those targets of how I'm going to get from here to the top. And I'm like, ultimately I'd love to be, I'd love to be like a Dave McNulty. That's something mm. I'd love to be able to have a conversation with him at some point about what, how he started and what he went on doing, because that's, that's like an ultimate goal of mine. I mean, that, but doesn't mean that has to be the only goal I could actually, mm. that could change along the path. You don't know what journey's going to be like. I might end up deciding that in five years time, actually I love club programs. So I would never want to go to mm. the, the national centers. But that's what I'd ultimately quite like to do. And yeah. if I can find ways of maneuvering myself to get in those positions, that's what I'm going to have to do. And as, you, as I said earlier, set those targets, have those aims, and try and achieve those goals within that process. Because if you don't set goals, you have no direction. If you have no direction, you're just going to lose yourself. Mm. So do you reckon head, head coach of a club program at some point in the, in the future? Is that on the cards? I would like to think so, yeah. I think realistically, you've got to go top age group coach yeah. then you've got to go head coach yeah. and then once you're head coach then <clears throat> options can doors can open can't they same with Dave I mean Dave was uh, the head coach of Durham side in the northeast in Durham pretty small club for well you know he ran swim schools for 17 years wow. and then he was a club coach for a long time you know he served his time doing like he said he served his time doing the early mornings he served his time dealing with you know committee members and stuff like that because Callum Jarvis is one of the assistant coaches at Bath now and Dave said look this is only temporary if he wants to become a proper National Centre Club program coach. I'm going to send him club for ten years to work the long hours and to understand what it goes into, you know, and, and build up that depth of experience before you move on to being a senior coach. Yeah, which is important. Got to got to put the the hard graft in. Exactly. Um, we Luke, we want to get you in the call room. Um, we've <laughs> again. I wasn't in it last time. Oh, he's popped in such small things. Even though it's been on four times, it's not in the call room yet, which I think is yeah, the crime. Um, but yeah, Luke, you you may have heard, but when we speak to guests, we ask them. Obviously, the call room is a place in the swimming world, but also we like to think of it metaphorically in terms of outside of the sport, um, in terms of before, like a big thing in your life, uh, school related, job related, any other challenge. So, firstly, what music are you listening to? What song is it? Also, what piece of advice are you giving to yourself before that that big moment? And actually, it will probably relate to you in a swimming sense. Hmm. Uh, I mean, usually I'm thinking back to this. Obviously, I kind of thought this question might come up. And listen to the podcast. Yeah, I might, I might listen a little bit <laughs> when you're on. <laughs> yeah, only the ones I'm in. I'm just mad joking. Um, I know when, the last time I can remember, like really vividly listening to a song that was you know helpful for me at me. It was just it was, it was a while ago. It probably shows how long ago it was, but. <laughs> It was at Welsh Nationals, and I was like doing some horrible race. Cardiff, yeah, uh, Swansea. Oh, personal. I wish it was at Cardiff. Cardiff, a nice pool. It is. I like used to do the Arena League final there before, and that yeah, was yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, great. But at, at Swansea, it was um, it's radioactive by Imagine Dragons. 
and it was um, it was a Kendrick Lamar remix as well. Oh, wow. So he had his, like a verse like towards the end of the song, and that was that was always like pumping up. Especially mm-hmm. when you got a four and a three, and you'd literally no head coach there because we were such a small club at the time. That yeah. Paul was that English or British, and yeah. I was like Welsh. Yeah. So I was like on my own, fifteen years old, mm-hmm. and just like having to big myself up for these like <laughs> long races. So I'd say that's probably my song. Um, bit of advice, I think it's probably quite similar. It's just trust yourself. Mm-hmm. trust the process you, you if, if you're not able to trust yourself there's a quite a high likelihood you've not you've been lacking something mm. or you need to go back and figure out why it is you don't trust yourself yeah, yeah, yeah so i would say it is just trust yourself trust the process and be confident and that you're going to execute mm. what you know you can mm. i think that's probably the advice that i'd most resonate with actually of all the cool room advice we've got yeah that's why i pay most confidence in when I'm at big races, the work I've done with my coach back up. So that's probably one of the best bits of advice that I could say. Like, that's why I've written it down. Good stuff. We'll <laughs> get, get it on my arm. And also, this boy's got music knowledge like you wouldn't believe. Like, <laughs> yeah, like Mr. Spotify over He knows, yeah. That's good stuff. So, yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Luke. I think that's a great insight. And I'm sure this is going to be one of our best episodes because we have loads of people asking for an insight to this kind of stuff. So, yes. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, Luke, I think from from an yeah, from a swimmer's perspective, a parent's perspective, and also a coach's perspective, mm. hopefully there'll be something in there for everyone. And yeah, fascinating to hear you guys mm. chat about that. Well, we always get, you know, I've been I get meet, I'm at meet and I get swimmers and coaches past me all the time saying they listen to the pod. Mm. Like we've got these this new lad joining in Bath in September. We've got a few new lads coming. I remember they came to a trial and the coach had come up to me, but love the pod. Love yeah. pod, love, love I get I've got some of those like members of the masters, some yeah. of the younger ones. Yeah. I've heard like some of them messaging in the past. Yeah. But I've got even a couple of my mates I went to college with who don't they watch a bit of something when it's on TV, yeah. but that's it. They're going, Oh, I heard you mention all this yeah. sort of stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. It? So no, it's it's growing, it's great, and I, I love it. No, thank you, thank you for the support as well, Luke. Awesome. Yeah, one of our one of our biggest supporters. Because we cherish that. Um, but yeah, we'll uh we'll see you guys next week. What's the plan for next week, Tom? Um, the plan for next week don't really know yeah we don't really know um, we'll figure something episode out episode 8 though episode 8 um, hopefully we'll be at the big we're at 998 followers on Instagram so have you got any private accounts <laughs> <laughs> don't know if we want to be followed by them don't know if we want to be associated <laughs> we'll be at hopefully the big 1000 uh, by the time we report next week and heading very quickly towards the 50th episode of the weekly freestyle which is mad but no thank you very much everyone for listening um thank you for tuning in and we will see you all next week bye